Good morning, everyone. Friends, with our scriptures um, this morning, um, they each have a particular thing happening, but at the same time, there um, there is a theme that's happening, uh, and uh, I would refer to it as uh, a theme of an epiphany, you know, an awakening, um, a conversion, and it. We see in the first reading it happens in a temple, a place of worship. In the second reading, it's on a dusty road, or for them, a highway. And in the gospel, it's a beach, or, if you wish, a lake. The first reading takes place in Jerusalem, at the temple. It is a place of worship, a place of rituals, a place of sacrifice, a place filled with incense and the beautiful sounds of chant, a vision of the holiness of God. And that would impact and change the course of his life. In that vision, he realizes that not only the temple, but the whole world is filled with God's glory. We are told the earth is filled with his glory. My friends, we hear about the cherubim, or the seraphims, they are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. My friends, about, I don't talk a whole bunch about the heavenly creatures, but the seraphims are the highest of the heavenly creatures, sing upon him. You'll see that you can find this in the scriptures. And uh, they never take their gaze off of him. And last night, I told the folks, Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Cherubim don't take their eyes off of God, and they always praise him, saying, holy, holy, holy. How is it that Isaiah gets one of them? Yeah, I know he's bringing a hot coal to him, you know, to purge him, because he has a feeling of sinfulness. But I'm like, wait a minute, do we misunderstand something? Um, but goes back to how we think we can, in Revelation, the cherubims do something else, but oh well, when we get up to heaven, we'll... But wouldn't that be fun, huh? to see a cherubim and a seraphim, and the seraphim cherubims and then the other principalities. But in it, God, Isaiah finds out that God is not just the God of the temple, but the God of all time, the God of all history, the God of all future, the God of all world events, religious, political, and otherwise. My friends, the scriptures are filled, fact, in fact, politics. Anyone who says no, you have misunderstood the scriptures. Anyone who says the church should mind their own business and stay out of politics, mm, the scriptures refute that. My friends, then, for the next half century, Isaiah is sent to proclaim God's words to the rulers of nations, kings presidents. For the rest of his life, Isaiah will demonstrate God at work not just in individual lives, but in the events of world history. He will speak out not only about personal morality, but also about public morality in Israel's national and international dealings. God is present not just in the soul, but everywhere, Isaiah would find out. That is the truth about God, 
that Isaiah carried his whole life and communicated to the people. In the second reading, Paul, in his letter to the Corinth faith community, recalls the experience of the Lord God that he had had. And that experience was different from Isaiah's. He was not in a temple, but on a dusty highway on his way to Damascus. Paul, a devout if not extremist Pharisee, persecuted and killed Christians. And then for reasons unknown to him, one that he would never fully understand, you go and look at his readings, he has an epiphany, he has a conversion experience. And then from that, he would be called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the very person whose people he was persecuting. On that dusty highway, his life changed. He became, of all things, an apostle of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He experienced forgiveness. He experienced redemption. And from that, he was given mission. And it was free, a gift. He would tell us there was nothing that he had done to deserve this. It was a gift of God, grace. Paul told the Ephesians, the Galatians, the Romans, the Philippians, everyone who would listen to him about this gift of God, this grace, his love. He would speak about redemption and salvation and he would never stop speaking this way. He would say, you do not earn it. It is gift. This is the essence of his experience of the Christ. You see, he did not know Jesus of Nazareth. He knew Christ, the risen one. And because of that, this becomes the centrality, the theme of all Christianity for him, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This was the epiphany given to him. This is what he would share. He would say, one can be purified and made whole, but not by their own effort, but by the very grace of Christ, his paschal sacrifice because of his resurrection. This is the truth that St. Paul carried in his life. In the gospel, an event happens not in the temple, like Isaiah, or on a dusty road, like St. Paul, but at a lake amongst fishermen. Peter and his comrades were working. Jesus tells Peter to go out into deep water and to catch fish. Peter, not all that moved by his command, as fish are caught at night, and they were just coming in from doing that. Peter knows the reputation of Jesus. He is not a fisherman. He does not talk like a fisherman. 
He does not act like a fisherman. He doesn't look like one. <laughs> but he's going to tell a fisherman, go out further in the afternoon when fish are not caught <laughs> and lower your nets. But he did what Jesus asked, as crazy as it sounded, to Peter, the fisherman. And because he obeyed and was obedient, they caught two boatloads of fish. There at the seashore, he had an epiphany. He had a conversion experience. And from there, he was given mission to be the fisher of men. Later, when he was head of the church, Peter would recall vividly that daytime catch of the fish and that whatever his limitations and failings were, his power came from the fact that he was obedient to Jesus the Lord. He knew that whatever his failings and limitations are, were, would be, if he would just remain faithful, Christ would use him. Christ would use him to further his kingdom. Peter would go on to say the same for the disciples and for all those who would be baptized. If you will remain obedient to him, despite your failings, he will use you to further his kingdom. This is the truth that Peter carried his whole life. A temple, a dusty road, and a lake. Isaiah, Paul, and Peter, three different types of people, each experienced, each of them experienced a different aspect of the glory of God. What they learned of God from that moment impacted and changed their lives for all time. It was something they then took to others for their own glory, for the glory of God. Can it not be true then that each of us who are baptized, who are his disciples, who claim to be his disciples, have an experience of the glory of God also? Whether it be his mercy, his forgiveness, his justice, his patience, whatever it may be, these spiritual epiphanies, conversions, awakenings can come in different forms and at different times. Friends, our world culture can induce spiritual apathy in disciples today. But then something happens to the disciples, you, I'm talking about the baptized. An illness strikes the death of a loved one happens. The birth of a child. The person encounters their soulmate, as they say today, the person that they fall in love with. And then they have a spiritual awakening, an epiphany, a conversion. 
to a deeper part of the existence of God. These spiritual events can come in different forms. Perhaps for you it will happen as it did with Isaiah at church. It might come when your plans are interrupted, as with St. Paul. He was on his way to beat up some more Christians. <laughs> God interrupted that plan. <laughs> Maybe it will be when you are being obedient to him and following his word, as St. Peter did. My friends, the things that are in common with these three experiences of these three men. One, they all had a sense of unworthiness and sinfulness in the presence of God. Isaiah, oh, he didn't feel unworthy in the temple. He felt unworthy when he was in the vision, when he was seeing what he was seeing. So much so, um, of all things, a seraphim comes to him. St. Paul hears the voice of the risen one who knocks him off a horse, literally blinds him to get his attention. St. Peter first says, Master, depart from me. Or Master, I'll do what you ask. And then later in that same, within minutes, he changes Master to Lord. You see the progression of the faith that's happening. My friends, the one thing they do have in common also is that what happened to them was not just for themselves, but it was for others. It is also for others and, of course, for the greater glory of God that these have happened to these men. My friends, uh, in the scriptures, in the account of the man who was healed by Jesus and who wanted to follow him, our Lord told him instead, go home to your family and let them see the goodness that God has done for you. And that will lead them to him. At some point in our life, each one of us is given the grace, the experience of the glory of God. That experience has within it a truth of God that you are supposed to bring to others. Maybe then, just maybe, it is what those others need to hear. As with Isaiah, with St. Paul and St. Peter, in whatever way God touches our life and awakens us from spiritual apathy, it too will change our life for all time. And in truth, if we are willing it will lead others to God. My friends, this is why I have for eight years told you it matters how you act as a Christian. You either testify to him or you do not. Some things are very black and white and some things are not, but some things are. When you claim to be a Christian, a Catholic, 
but your life says something different. You are not leading them to Christ, but pushing them further away. If you think that your disobedience goes unnoticed, you are wrong. God will love you, but he will not bless your disobedience. But he will get you to change your ways if you are willing. Each one of the men experienced something and then took that to the people. Last night, I told people, if you're looking for living proof, it's standing in front of you right now, your pastor. I, too, experience God. I rarely share my vocation story. I keep it private and to myself. To think that God wants me to be a priest, last night I told the people, are you serious, God? You're, you're aware of my past, right? You're aware of where I've been and what I've said and what I've done, right? <laughs> and yet, here I am. In the same way as with those men, feeling unworthy, feeling sinful in his presence. No seraphim, <laughs> no dusty road, no horse, not a lake. <laughs> the one thing I will share with you, because I shared it with last night, I ran from him. And wherever I run, there he is. I used to think, remember the saying, wherever Mark is, that's where he is. <laughs> And he can never escape Mark. <laughs> well, there was someone else, Jesus. <laughs> Wherever I went, there he was. Could not escape him. We're not supposed to. Having been in the seminary, left the seminary. In the seminary, left the seminary. Finally moving here. I will be celebrating 14 years this year as a priest. One year as a deacon, that's 15 years ordained life. Seven years of study, you can do the numbers. I still remember the day that changed everything. Sitting at St. James Cathedral, because I lived in First Hill, and that was my parish. Showing up for Mass on a Sunday to have the sacristan come out and tell the people, there will be no Mass today, there is no priest. Sitting in the pew, and I could take each one of you, I will show you exactly what pew, because it'll never leave me. A woman walked past me, and I heard her say, what are you going to do about it? First thing I thought was, you don't know me. We can get about my business. <laughs> I thought, me? What, what am I supposed to do? I can't do anything. I just breathed for a moment, and when I turned to look behind me, because she was walking past me, she was not there. I immediately called. And before I knew it, the doors opened so fast and things moved so quickly 
I could barely catch my breath. And now I'm here. God did this, not for me, but for you. My experience, I must tell you and share. But he does that for you. And my friends, last night I told the people very candidly, the world looks at me in one way, but the truth of the matter is, what I do is different from what you do, but it is not better or worse. He stood as holy. Mark can be all kinds of things. <laughs> but each one of you who are baptized, God has something for you to do, and he needs you to do it. And it matters to him. So I get it all the time. Oh, you're a priest. I'm a... No, I'm a baptized person also. But what I do is different from what you do and what God has called me to do. But it is not more valuable or less valuable. It is just different. But it matters to him. And each one of you who are baptized, as I put forth with these men in the scriptures and then exposed as your pastor, he has something for you to do, and it matters to him. And you need to do it because there is an other that needs to know and experience the truth of God that you hold. I mean, that experience. So that you can lead them to him. You understand? By no means do I insult the priesthood by saying that. The priesthood is sacred and holy, but it's different. But I am not better. I could be worse than you. <laughs> not the priesthood, just the person. You understand what I'm getting at? I know the world says what I do is more valuable than what a baptized person may be doing, but that's not true. It's just different. Each one of you matter to God. Each one of you have an experience. But unless you're living it and being obedient, living that life of disciple, living that life of faith, it's not going to reach the person it's supposed to. So reflect on the scriptures today, the experiences Take to heart what your pastor has shared with you about himself. Reflect on yourself then and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will do what you say, even if it sounds crazy. Our sisters, last night I gave the example, the servers, they give God glory by what they do, and it matters to God. Our musician our singers, our cantors. That matters to God. And what they do, they use their talents. And maybe it is the voice of the cantor that's going to move somebody and cause that experience to happen that God wants. Husbands and wives, you're called to holiness to each other and to witness to the world. Grandma, grandpa, brothers and sisters, workers, all of it give glory to God in what you do. It matters to him, 
Amen.